Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. Time, there's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show, presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, joining us now on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, friend of the show, we're going to have him on more often, columnist for the Sporting Tribune, Las Vegas legend, even though he doesn't like when I hype up this praise on him. Good friend, Steve Karp. Steve, how are you? Good. Good morning, and welcome to March Madness Vegas style. Steve, I would argue, generally speaking, most people want to go to a sporting event live. We've both probably covered enough first-round series. And again, it's a crapshoot. You could go to a first-round game, and you're spending the majority of the day like watching games on TV. I would say this is the one time I would prefer to be at a sports book, like we'll be at the South Point today. Um, I prefer that. You got all these games happening at the same time. Las Vegas is really the place to be. Do you remember when Vegas began to be the place to watch it because the, the the crazy thing about it you go to the Westgate, you go to circuit you go to south point you go to caesars you go around there are people who who made this trip this pilgrimage for 20 25 30 years i mean these, these these are friends who began to make this trip in college they've continued to do it when did vegas become the place to be for the first two days of the tournament i would probably say Somewhere in the mid to late 90s. Yeah. Um, kind of right after UNLV's run with uh, Jerry Tarkanian. I, I think we started to see people coming here and being able to bet legally on all the games. And it just seemed as though it caught fire because we had more independent books back then. It wasn't like MGM running like eight or nine books or Station Casinos running like six or seven. You had like your favorite place to go. Some people enjoyed going to the Barbary Coast. A lot of people like go to Caesars Palace and or what was then the Las Vegas Hilton. And we started to see 
that grew, especially as we became a much bigger city. And uh, it almost coincides with the, the growth of the, the college tournaments, conference tournaments that we see here every year. We, we just got done with five of them. As you know, you were here for it. And it just keeps getting bigger, even though sports betting is growing throughout the country. I think we have 30 states or 31 now that Massachusetts is on board and the District of Columbia. So technically speaking, you don't really need to leave where you live to enjoy the benefits of watching and betting on the NCAA tournament. But there's something about Vegas that, that seems to gravitate toward people gathering in a community kind of sense. Does that make any yeah, because, you know, what happened, Steve, when sports gambling became legal around the country and slowly but surely, as you mentioned, the number of states, there was this feeling at the beginning of like, how is this going to affect Las Vegas? And Steve, what's happening and a lot of these guys that we are friends with or talk to, like Jay at the Superbook, um, they said it would help them. And here was their thought is that it, this is no longer this black cloud. It's no longer oh, you're gambling, you know, what does that mean? Now that it's legal, now that you can effectively do it on your smartphone in New York, New Jersey, you, you go around the map, people didn't, come, people didn't come to Vegas just to gamble on sports. Yes, that was a part of it, but they came for it being Vegas, the hotel, the nightlife, the dining, the shows, the, like everything that goes with it being Vegas. So yes, while you can gamble legally, in New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, you go down the list, people still want to come to Las Vegas, Steve, right? There, there is the allure of, of everything else that goes on here, and you mentioned all of them. So let's say you're, you know, you're, you're fresh out of college, you, you started your new job, and you were able to convince your boss to take three days off, and let's say you're a 23 or 24, 25-year-old male, and I don't want to exclude women in this conversation because women have become a big part of the scene here when it comes to watching and wagering and, and even touting games. But you come here, you spend the day. If it's nice, you take a little break between all the games and hit the pool for an hour. When it's all done, you go out for a nice dinner and whether it's go to a gentleman's club, you know, like late, late at night or, or gamble at the tables, play a little blackjack or whatever. It's a pretty good day for a young person and, and a person who has a lot of energy, I might add. It's uh, having been around it for so many years, uh, I've, I've come to value the energy level that a lot of these people have to just go through the whole thing, you know, you're sitting, you're watching, you're following all your games, and and it's it started at nine o'clock and it'll end around ten ten thirty tonight. So, yeah, it's not something you can do necessarily in Iowa. Let's oh, say. exactly. 
famous sports bet, by the way. Well, Steve, to your point, the biggest degenerate gambler I know is my producer, G. Hey Wiley, and I'll let her um, hop in here. I do have to preface this with this, Steve, because I do want you to talk about this, because the reason that I love college basketball is the team that you covered, guys. If you don't know it, Steve Carp covered UNLV back in the day when Jerry Tarkanian was the coach, and G. Hey Wiley, who's about to like ask you a, a question, uh, big, big Duke fan, Steve. She's the biggest Duke fan I know. So you were there, and I want you to kind of, I really think for me, and I'm just maybe just because of the way that I recall the, that games, the, those games, tell me about Duke, UNLV, whenever you can get two historic teams meeting back-to-back years. When I tell you, when I say Duke, UNLV, give us a story. What comes to mind? Well, the first thing is the obvious contrast between the two programs you know everyone the first time they met in denver in 90 everyone was painting it in the media as like the good guys versus the bad guys and obviously everyone thought that duke were the good guys and unlv were the bad guys the the funny thing about that was the two coaches mike shashevsky of duke and jerry tarkanian of unlv were friends. They they had a great respect for each other. And, you know, later on when Coach K coached Team USA, he implemented a lot of Tark's principles with that group of guys that won the gold medals. They, they had pressure defense. They, uh, they looked to go up-tempo on offense. So when we saw what happened in Denver, now Bobby Hurley was sick. And the stomach flew, and UNLV just jumped them, especially in the second half, and just kind of blew them out. And it still remains the largest margin of victory in the Final Four. But the following year, obviously, when they played in Indianapolis, I think UNLV came in a bit overconfident, and they they were a distracted team. Arash, they they were worried about. All their little side deals they were making. Greg Anthony had a T-shirt company, and and Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogden were, were probably thinking about their next step going to the NBA. Anderson Hunt was not sure if he wanted to come back to school. And so you had a Duke team that was very motivated. They had brought Grant Hill into the program, and, and Hurley was healthy, and it was still a game that UNLV was winning until Greg Anthony fouled out with just under five minutes to go. So and that's when everything changed because they didn't have somebody of Greg Anthony's caliber to back it up. So, you know, Duke got its revenge. UNLV, it, it kind of went downhill quickly from there. You had the hot tub incident with, with a couple of players and, and the uh, Richard Perry, the known sports fixer. From the Boston College thing in the eighties, and and obviously Tarkanian was uh, on his way out. He and the president were not seeing eye to eye on stuff. So there were so many things, but uh, I just remember that there was a great respect between the players from both teams. The Vegas kids respected what Duke could do on the court. The Duke guys certainly had respect for what Vegas could do and it made for some really good basketball yeah Steve I couldn't agree with you more I mean the relationship that Coach K has with 
not only the great um, Sark, but with, you know, multiple other coaches where a lot of people think that they don't, didn't like each other, right? You know, Bayheim, um, Roy, they're like all these guys, they're, they're all buddies. They're all actually friends. Yeah. They don't, they don't hate one another. They're actually, A, not only do they have a lot of respect for one another, but they be they actually like go on trips. They actually hang out with one another. They're actually really, really close. Um, Steve, I want uh, I wanted to swap over to what a great weekend again that this, this is as um, Arash and gave me that wonderful introduction of being a degenerate gambler here in Vegas. Um, this is this is this is my second home for sure. I love it here. Um, I wanted to ask you um, how the world of sports gambling has changed out here. Um, I think for the better. Um, maybe some other people don't think it's so great, but I think for the better. And also how um, the game has expanded towards women because this, like, normally you go to a book. Like, I started sports gambling, like, over a decade ago. And normally, you would only see a handful of women. And I'm talking literally a handful of women in the book, if at all. Um, now, you see so many more. It's obviously not to the um, amount that men are in there. Um, but you still see a little bit more and a little bit more each year that women are coming in, and specifically for March Madness. Um, I, w- I was just wondering if you can talk about that. Talk on that. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm friends with some of them. Uh, some of the gals who are involved in the industry, you know, like Kelly Stewart and Ariel Epstein, the, these gals know their stuff. They, uh, they work very hard at their craft in terms of handicapping and understanding how, you know, the books come up with the numbers they come up with, and, and they give out good information. And uh, the fact that women's basketball has grown so much with the WNBA's growth and with more exposure to the women's game, more people are betting on women's basketball. And some people do very, very well uh, betting on uh, women's hoops. But to your question about the growth, the biggest thing that I've seen in the last decade or so is the use of mobile phones for betting and in-game wagering. Those are the two biggest uh, things that have helped grow the game uh, or grow uh, gambling here in Nevada. Because before, you had to wait on a long line to make a bet. You could only bet first half, second half the game and the total. There were four bets you could make. Now they have individual prop bets. Will this guy score this number of points? Or will this person have X number of rebounds or whatever? So it's the game within the game and obviously the in-game wagering. You know, I'm, I'm watching West Virginia, Maryland. West Virginia got out to a 14-4 lead or something like that in the first five minutes of the game. And now Maryland's got the lead. So if you were betting in-game and you took Maryland... You, you were probably looking at, you know, getting, I don't know what, four, five, six points. And now Maryland's got the lead and you've got plus money going for you. It, it kind of makes it exciting if, you, if you're betting on these games and you have the option in game of either changing what you bet originally or, you know, adding to uh, what you already have. And I, I think that's a, a huge component now in terms of the handle going up and 
and and how Nevada is not only competing with these other jurisdictions like New York and New Jersey, but you know more than holding their own, surpassing it in a lot of instances. Steve Armand here. Uh, thank you for joining us. the The biggest joy for for me and many others in March Madness is the George Masons, the VCU's, the St. Peters. Yeah. Uh, do you see any double-digit seeds making that kind of run this year? And if so, who do you like? Uh, you know, everyone was saying this year is going to be so wide open and there's like 15 teams that have a shot. And I would tend to agree with it, having watched enough over the course of the year to see that Nobody is really dominating in, in college basketball. But as far as a team making one of those like George Mason or VCU or Butler-type runs, I still think the committee doesn't give them as fair a shake in terms of the seeding, which really is what kind of determines whether or not you can make that kind of run. I mean, if you're if you're uh, an eight nine, and then you're playing the one, if you win your first game, I don't know how good that is for you. You're better off being like a thirteen or something, playing a four, and and see where that takes you. But uh, if you're asking me if if one of these teams could like go on a super run, I really couldn't give you one in particular that stands out to me this year. I do think. We can see a Sweet 16 involving a double-digit team. That I'll go that far. And then it seems like class seems to take over at that point. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, we have the West Regional here in Vegas next weekend. And that's going to be really exciting because you have UCLA and, and Gonzaga potentially being part of that. And these two teams have played each other in Vegas uh, I believe it was a year ago at T-Mobile Arena. So, yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of interesting uh, possibilities that uh, this bracket is set up. And, Steve, uh, I wanted to ask you, since UNLV isn't in it, which team are you rooting for? <laughs> well, like, just in general. The tournament. Oh, well, <laughs> well, I'm actually rooting for San Jose State in the CBI since that's my alma mater. <laughs> and uh, I think they should have been in the NIT, especially when North Carolina decided they didn't want to play in it. And, and of course, New Mexico got beat last night by Utah Valley in the pit. And I think San Jose State would have given a better account of itself. I am probably... I'm kind of rooting for Mark Few and Gonzaga. I, I'd like to see them finally cut down the nets after all these years. They, I don't know, they've been so, so, so close. And I think back to the Baylor blowout, and like, holy cow, can't these guys figure out you know, a way to get over the hump? And so we might see them in Vegas, and when I saw them beat St. Mary's in the WCC final a week ago, I was like, you know what? These guys might be good enough to make a deep run. So I'm going to say Gonzaga will be a team I'm kind of rooting for. Love it. 
Steve, one more one more question before we go, um, or before we let you go. Who is your dark horse? I have TCU, which I know isn't really a dark horse since they are a sixth seed, but I have TCU, and there's only one time that I can remember that a uh, below five ranked team has won, and that was UConn, I think, back in like 2007 or something like that. So I'm wondering, what is your dark horse, or who is your dark horse? Oh, you know who I like a little bit is Texas A&M. I thought they were undervalued as a seven seed. And they're playing Penn State today as a 10. <clears throat> and um, I think Buzz Williams, I know Buzz from his days at Colorado State when he was an assistant coach, uh, worked with Tim Miles. He does a really good job of motivating his guys. They have a pretty good team. And I think they might be able to win a game or two. Now, if they win would set up a likely second-round matchup with Texas, who a lot of people think are winning this whole thing. And uh, I've been impressed with the way the Longhorns have played since they cut ties with Chris Beard. And I'm still wondering what Old Miss was thinking when they hired him. I guess they don't care about <laughs> domestic violence, but that's a story for another day. But uh, I, I like a and a little bit to make a run. I, I think... They, they might be good enough to uh, to go a little deep in this term. They're not saying they're going to win it, but I'm trying to avoid chalk, yeah. especially this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just talking about it, I'm not sure that that's uh, the way to go. And and the, <laughs> the other the other the other team I might give a shot to would be uh, would be VCU, which won the A10 and looked pretty good doing it. They were 12 seed. They got to play St. Mary's. Um, actually, I think they have 12 or 13. They are a 12. Steve, we and have to play St. Mary's uh, tomorrow. It. And I was not impressed with St. Mary's, by the way. And I love, I love Randy Bennett. We're friends. We go back a long, long way, he and I. But uh, oh. I'm not sure the Gales have what it takes to, to make a run. So... Love that, Steve. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow, folks. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.